If you take out your Bible, please, as you're standing and turn to the book of Revelation, the second chapter on page 996 in your pew Bible. If you brought your own Bible, it's at the very last book, I'll bet you anything. We are continuing on. This is our fourth week, if you're visiting, of looking at the seven churches to Revelation. Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, stands among these symbolic lampstands and he addresses these different churches. Thyatira, or Thyatira, depending on how you say that, is the smallest of all the churches, and yet it has the longest address to it. And as Christ responds to them, he's speaking to the church at Los Angeles at Bel Air. If you're visiting, when I get done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and you'll say real loud, thanks be to God, because we can trust it. So together, let's read aloud verses 18 through 29 of the second chapter. And as you read, listen carefully, you're reading God's word. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, faith, service, and patient endurance. I know that your last works are greater than the first, but I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, and is teaching and beguiling my servants to practice fornication and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her fornication. Beware, I am throwing her on a bed, and those who commit adultery with her I am throwing into great distress, unless they repent of her doings, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am the one who searches minds and hearts. And I will give to each of you as your works deserve. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. To everyone who conquers and continues to do my works to the end, I will give authority over the nations to rule them with an iron rod, as when clay pots are shattered, even as I also received authority from my Father. To the one who conquers, I will also give the morning star. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what you just read never will. We had a, a wonderful retreat as uh, your elders got away yesterday and just seeking and praying. And you are a spoiled church. You have such great men and women that are your leaders that really seek the Lord and want to honor Him and what's best in your life. Uh, you know, it's funny. I always like to ask people, who was an influence on your life? If you go to a boring party... You go into a Super Bowl party and you're bored with it. Ask people around you, who influenced your life? It's always fascinating. It's amazing how many times people say teachers. And uh, we've all had teachers we love and teachers we hate. I remember before I taught a class at Fuller last spring, uh, one of the professors told me, remember, teaching is where you communicate the knowledge from the professor's notes to the student's notes without anybody using their brains in the process. And, you know, we've had some teachers that are great lecturers, but bad at giving tests, aren't they? I mean, they communicate, but what they choose to test you on. I'm sure a lot of you remember, you know, when you were tested in a large university like UCLA, USC, one of these, you know, hundreds in a lecture hall, the 
little blue books. Most of the times they're TAs that maybe not even to that class. And a TA came in, there was several hundred people, and he said, get your blue books ready, begin. And they all started writing. And during an hour and a half, he said, time up. Close them and bring them forward. And everybody's doing it. But one guy in the back is going, wait, wait, wait. And he's writing and writing. He goes, close up your books. Said, wait, 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 wait. And they all put in line. And he finally got in the line. And after everybody left, he came up. And the TA said, there's no way I can accept that. And he said, what do you mean? And he said, well, that wouldn't be fair. You had extra five minutes. Other people didn't. He said, do you know who I am? And the TA said, how in the world could I know who you are out of all these people? He said, praise the Lord. And he stuck it in the middle of the stack and walked out and said... <laughs> Well, as you take a look this morning at Jesus, the great teacher, he is grading his churches. Thyatira was the smallest of the churches, as we said, and it receives the most attention. God does not grade a church on how large it is, how famous it is. God doesn't even seem to care how influential it is. The risen Christ, Bel Air, grades us on two things, love and truth, truth and love. They are as inseparable as hydrogen and oxygen in a water molecule. The moment you break them apart, you don't have water anymore. If you have a real loving church that accepts everything but doesn't tell the truth, you don't have the church of Christ. You have a church that's really solid in truth and doctrine is right on, but they're not loving, you don't have the church of Christ. It takes two legs to follow Jesus. And the church at Thyatira reminds us of this. And Jesus comes to them. He commends their strengths. They're doing great things as you read. They're hanging tough. He challenges and confronts their weaknesses. And if God loves us, he won't let us stay in our sin. But then he calls them to come and to celebrate his victory. And Bel Air, as we are gathered here this morning, this is not a table of Presbyterians this is a table of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's a negotiating table. You and I don't play with the terms. They're real simple. We give God all of our life and accept this gift of salvation, and he gives us all of his life. And you and I, with the mission that we have called together to help make this the greatest city for Christ in America, we're going to need all the churches and ministries working together, not under the same roof, not in the same organization, but this move of God's love. You need to be in a small group. Where'd that come from? Because the only way you're going to grow in your love, and I mean this, I've experienced in my life and in truth, where can you go and bring up the crazy questions you're embarrassed to ask because you're afraid somebody's going to judge you on that? It's in a group of men and women that can love you and let you bring that and keep you on the right path together. And when we do that, we will change this city. Do you believe that? Amen. I totally believe it. You got your Bible. Let's turn back and take a look at this a little closer. Turn over to Revelation, the second chapter, page 996 in your pew Bible there. Thyatira is not a place that is beautiful. Ephesus was on this great harbor, remember, as well as Smyrna, which we looked at. Pergamum was up on this huge uh, mountaintop. It was the, actually the capital for the province of the Rome of that area of Asia Minor. But Thyatira, Thyatira, if you want to say it, depending on how you enunciate that, is down inside of this valley. Look what Jesus says in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, 
These are the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Remember, we saw last week, each church has one of the different elements of this imagery of who the risen Christ is. And Jesus comes and says, I see everything going on and reveal it. And this bronze feet, that means, man, nothing's going to knock Christ off. The more you know about this city, the more it made sense to the first hearers, the more we can know what God is saying to us today. The more you know what God said, the more you can know what God is saying as this word is alive and active. Our uh, drama department has a little video on our little travelogue here on Thyatira to explain a little bit about it. Watch this. With Thyatira, Thyatira was basically a speed bump to stop invaders from getting to Pergamum. It was kind of road pack. The Romans knew it was very strategic as well as Alexander. But the big thing about this city and the church in it was it had money. They had these great guilds. Guilds were like unions in that time. The difference is with these unions, you didn't just pay dues. You had to offer, it was, they had their own deity over each union to protect it. When they offered this meat to the gods and you ate it, they literally thought a piece of the divinity, whatever goddess or god was in that was in the meat now and you became one with that god, is what the risen Christ is against. Now, I believe in unions. I was a member of Teamsters after high school, and I was driving a truck. I told you before, I, I graduated with a 1.2, and I felt called to drive trucks after uh, high school. And by the way, do you know how many Teamsters it takes to change a light bulb? Twelve. You have a problem with that? Uh, they kind of... <laughs> teamsters get their job done, I want to tell you. And, but this union was not just about paying dues, but this was a part of worship. And so the Lord, he, what he does, he comes to them and he, first of all, he commends them. Look at verse 19. I know your works. Then he has two couplets here. Love and faith, service and patient endurance. I know your last works are greater than the first. Now love produces service and faith produces perseverance or steadfastness. You can give without love. You cannot love without giving. You can hand somebody some money, some homeless person or somebody bumming panhandling on the side of the street. And I even care about them here just because you're doing your good deed and not care about them at all. But if you care about somebody, it's impossible not to give them something. And Jesus is saying to the church, well done. You do things, you love each other and you're helping others. Not to earn brownie points, but because you love each other and you love me. Good job. Faith means perseverance. If somebody isn't on time, but you know they're going to be there, and you know that they're a person of their word, whoever she or he is, then you mellow out and get a cup of coffee and wait for them. And they know that Christ is going to come back. He hasn't come back for 60 years, but they go, you know, when he comes back, we can trust. They do what's right, and they know they'll be rewarded later because they're not being rewarded now. Like uh, if you have an elevator you ride to work and you punch it and the light comes on, you don't frantically wonder if it's coming or not. You wait until it comes there. Faith brings perseverance. If you trust them. When you put a letter into a mailbox... Well, that's probably not a good example. Um, <laughs> say the mail may be slow, but at least it's expensive. But when you have uh, something that you really trust, it'll eventually get there. One of the churches that Carol and I was starting, there was a gentleman we were wondering how... Uh, would this thing go? And there's one guy that I'd known from a previous ministry. And he showed up and he uh, asked about it. And then he simply said, count me in. And walked out and I went, 
yes. Because this guy I knew, he always underpromised and overperformed. If he said he was in, his money, his talent, and all his troops were going to be there. And he came through once again. I mean, unbelievable, because that's I, I know who John is. I trust him in that sense. Well, likewise, they're saying, Christ, we can go through this because we trust you. And Jesus says, good job. And notice that the first works are better than the last. God wants us to keep improving. Bel Air, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year, and we got some great things planned coming up uh, this spring, this Easter, and right after. It's going to be a fabulous time. And you know, for 50 years, this church has stood for the gospel of Christ and has loved people. Over 80 different people have gone into full-time ministry in, out, of, out of this church. Hundreds of people have been sent, if not thousands, around the world in short-term missions and even in the full-time service and done great things for Christ. And I think Jesus says, yes, but where are you going to go to next? It doesn't matter what you don't know when you go into a class. What matters is how much knowledge you have when you come out. It doesn't matter how you start the race. It matters how you finish it. Do you know that I have won a marathon before in the first hundred yards? I really did. I had them burned, uh, everyone there. That doesn't matter. At the end of the miles and you hit that tape, that's what it matters. And Jesus is saying, way to go. You're moving ahead. That's great. Look at verse 20. But I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet and is teaching and beguiling my servants to practice fornication and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to knock it off, to repent. But she refuses to repent of her fornication. And rather than a bed of pleasure, Jesus says, Behold, everyone that jumps in the sack with her, that's in the Greek, whoever is in a bed... Those who commit adultery with her, I am throwing into a bed of pain, of distress, and I will slay her children. What is Jesus talking about? Well, if you're reading 1 Kings 16, remember Jezebel in the Old Testament was the wife of Ahab. King Ahab was the son of Omri, one of the great kings of Israel who, by the way, is one of the only kings mentioned outside of the Bible in some of the writings outside of the Bible, in some of the different... Uh, monuments and steles that were left to him. Well, he was a great kingdom, but his son wasn't so schmaltzy, so he went out and he bought himself a bride who was a go-getter girl by the name of Jezebel. This girl was not going to lay back and watch things just go the way. She brought her gods, she brought her power, and she ran the kingdom. In fact, Elijah, who just slays the 400 prophets, remember, of Baal? A word comes and says, Jezebel's after you. And he goes, exit stage left. And he's out of there. God is beyond just mere sexuality. God reveals God as father very often, the masculine side of him. God also reveals himself in the maternal, the feminine side. As a mother hand would have gathered you, he said, as uh, Jesus says, as in the Old Testament, as a mother loves her child, so I have weaned you, O Israel, this feminine side of God. Evil has a masculine side and a feminine side. It's not just the masculine side of pushing and overwhelming and discouraging, but the false nurturing and the seducing of the feminine side very much as a part of what Satan does in our lives. 
And this Jezebel in Thyatira was convincing people, you know what? You can compromise and go along. Jezebel said, serve God. I don't care. Just serve the other God. And I got to say, guys, sometimes uh, women have a lot more power in moving people than men do. It's very much like God made Adam and then he made Eve. And later he's walking with Adam and he says, what do you think, Adam? And he said, God, that's really great. God, why'd you make her so pretty? And God said, Adam, that's so that you'd be attracted to her. He said, I say, God, why'd you make her so soft? And he said, well, Adam, that compliments you. That's to be so you'd be attracted to her. He goes, well, one more question, God. Why'd you make her so dumb? And he said, well, that's so that she'd be attracted to you, Adam. Uh, and that's... <laughs> and very often I will say, as far as maneuvering guys in relationships, are we brain locked or what? But women are very talented at this, and I don't want to over-stereotype. You know, every generalization is uh, false, including this one. But that women are very good, and he is talking about Jezebel pulling them away. He said they gave them time to repent, but they wouldn't. And you and I need to realize that we live in a world that requires us to know there is truth and there are lies. And in this church, if you belong to Christ and before you come to this table, Now, you and I are not Holy Spirit fruit inspectors running around to checking everybody's, you know, life spiritually. Hands against the wall. Kick them back. How's your love, joy, peace? Come on, check this out here. (laughs) That's not our job. But, but, you come to this table, I care about your sexual lives. I care about your careers. I care about your finances. I care about your careers as far as how you're standing for Christ. This means we come and truth is truth and lies are lies. There's a lot of churches out there that accept everything, not because they're accepting, because they're so apathetic. They don't care about people that are living the wrong way. And that's why you need a small group where you can bring up questions and people can help you in the right direction. A lot of times we would, because Americans are so nice, The number one virtue of America for the last 20 years has been tolerance. And therefore, the great attribute of that is niceness. Intolerance is the great sin. Not saying that who's right or wrong, but even saying there is a right or wrong. You come to this table, Jesus says, there are truths in other religions. There certainly are. And you and I are to be loving and we can learn. There are truths in Buddhism and Hinduism That this world is not everything there is. There is truths in Islam that we will stand before a holy God. There are certainly truths in Judaism of God calling Israel the truth. But you want to come to the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. One truth alone in his name is Jesus. Amen. And you and I are called to stay close to him. So what he's saying to Jezebel here in this sense is, don't just avoid confrontation. We avoid confrontation, so we withdraw. Don't, 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 don't say what you believe. We avoid confrontation, so we submit. Well, and in your jobs. That's what Thyatira was doing. If you're in the entertainment industry, how often do you have to cross the line to keep a job? If you're out there and you're a salesperson, whatever your product is, is it really worth what you say? Can you deliver that? If you are out there and you're involved in caring for people, do you care for them just because they're paying you in the helping professions? Are you really doing it under Christ? And he's saying, I care about these things. You know, and very often, people get so mixed up between different kinds of truths. 
I know somebody who uh, teaches a particular seminar. I won't name which one it is. It's not Fuller. Uh, that um, before the students come in, he says, I want to give you a test on two things that are true. He has a jar up here with some beans. He goes, write down the number of beans that you think is in this jar. Everybody writes it down. He goes, flip the paper over. Now write down your favorite song of all time. So they write it down. Then he says to them, and he gives the number of the beans, like 1,432 or something. And he says, and whatever they put down, he says, now is this a true number? And they go, yeah. He goes, the, the song that you said is your favorite. Is that true or is that a lie? And they go, it's true. He goes, right, because it's your preference. In the spiritual things, is it more like truth about the beans, the right number, or about it's just your preference? And the majority of them say, whatever faith you have is like your favorite song. It doesn't matter whether it's accurate or not. It just matters that it's important to you. And God calls us to say, no, no, no. You build your house on a deck of cards, it's going to go down. We accept people where they're at, but we don't leave them there. That's what this table means. This last week, Carolyn and I went back to the National Prayer Breakfast back in Washington, D.C., and all the members of uh, Congress are there, the Senate, uh, 163 nations represented. Uh, the two speakers for the breakfast were uh, President George Bush and Bono. What about a whiplash? I want to tell you, uh, he's, uh, he's really articulate, by the way. He's got some great ideas. Uh, and uh, they were talking, but then Caroline later went to this media dinner afterwards, and they have people step forward and tell the sound booth to make sure we put the uh, 6 o'clock worship service on the... Uh, uh, online because of what I'm about to share. It's confidential. Uh, but Dick Morris, he probably wouldn't mind. You know who he was? He was the hatchet man for Clinton, orchestrated his first getting into the office and went out and did the dirty work. He's the one that got busted for being with the prostitutes and the cocaine. And when he was down and out and someone, he gave his life to Christ. He said when he was, by the way, down and out, not one of his partiers from the liberal side that everything is okay came to him. And when he was down and out, no one talked to him. All these conservative, he said, crazy Christians started calling up, sending him books and the Bible and pamphlets. He said he had the holiest mailbox in all of Washington, D.C. <laughs> and so now he's switched, he's switched party affiliations. And I'm not here talking about Democrats, Republicans, saying that how neat that is. But then he says this at the end. <laughs> this is a crack up. He says, uh, you know, Christ has changed my life. And I know why, because uh, I realized and some woman told me, and I believe her, that I was a rabbi in my previous life. And you go, what was that? He just went from Christ changing him to being Moshe in his previous life. Well, you know, it's okay to accept him where he's at, but you need to be able to bring him along a little further. And you and I, we all have many different beliefs and things, and that's okay where we're at. But when you're moving this direction, we bring truth to it. And truth is this word. We don't worship this book but this is our final court of appeals and how we understand the Lord speaks through this and tells us who the risen Christ is. Otherwise, when you're drowning in sea and you just grab on anything, a lot of people do. You don't know how it's going to end. Like they say a sailor on duty got frantic when he fell into the Atlantic. After hours in the sea, he was rescued, yes siree, but was hoisted aboard the Titanic. <laughs> and there are a lot of people out there that they are drowning and they get on something and it feels all right, but it's built on a lie. This is unchanging truth because this is unchanging love. And so God commends through Christ their strengths 
And He confronts their weaknesses. But then He calls them to come and share in this victory with Him. He said, for those of you who hold fast to what I have said, verse 25, to everyone who conquers and continues to do my work, I will give authority over the nations. And to who conquers, I will also give the morning star. What is He saying? He is saying that authority is given to Christ and He's going to share it with us. There is no reincarnation after life. You got one bullet to shoot and it's called your life and you and I are shooting it. But it is so short compared to eternity. And Jesus said how you live your life matters. This is not about buying your salvation. This is a grace. But you know when you were honest, when you could have lied, when you choose to zip your lip when you could have said something mean and gossiped about somebody, when you choose to keep your clothes on until they are your husband or wife, when you choose to write that check and to honor the Lord in whatever ministry God leads you to, when you wake up and you're tired and you'd rather just lay in bed and you open the word with a cup of coffee, when you choose not to support evil out there but to support what's right and people say you're such a cheesy, geeky Christian, Jesus says, I see. I see. Someday this big fight is all going to be over and those that have called to me, you will share with me to rule and reign. Paul said, do you not know you will rule and reign to the church at Corinth over the angels? Whatever that means, the angels, those who have never sinned in the presence of God, these super beings that literally the sons of Adam and Eve born into Christ will be on a higher level of whatever that adventure is out there, Jesus says, if you are willing to serve me now. If you are faithful in a little, you will be faithful in a lot. And I can't tell you how much a lot is. If you are not faithful in a little, you will not be faithful in a lot. And Jesus says, I have loved you. Jesus stands before Pilate. Pilate did not want to have his life messed up with this Nazarene. And trying to oversee Palestine was so important to the Romans. By the way, they named it Palestine after the Philistines to take away the power of the nation of Israel. And it was strategic, but they were so crazy. I mean, they had conquered everything, but they couldn't control these Jews. All their crazy ideas and keep away from the temple. Pilate stands and Jesus is brought before him and it says in John 18. Now Jesus was brought in before Pilate and Pilate said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, Do you say this of your own or do others say it to you about me? Pilate said, Am I a Jew? Your own people have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be handed over. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said, so you are a king. And Jesus said, you say that I am. All who are of the truth hear my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? And the truth that Jesus would show Pilate, the truth, is God's love. And even as they take Jesus and they beat him so mercilessly and Pilate thinks that if he can beat him bad enough, they will take pity on him. And even through those swollen, bloody eyes, Jesus looked and said, there's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. Nothing you can do. And I will see this through if you let me. 
were doing some good things in your life. Good. Jesus sees. Keep it up. It doesn't have to be that the church or the world sees. Christ sees. Getting your life off a little bit. Hey, hey, hey. Get it back on track. And you can't do it on your own. Get a friend that you can trust. You need a place where you can ask questions. I uh, was privileged to have George Ladd, a great theologian uh, who's now dead, uh, teach class. And I was under him and I raised my hand and I said, you know, this might be a dumb question. He said, there are no dumb questions. And then I asked it and he said, but that was really close. You need to be able to sit with a group of people and say, you know, what, 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 I believe this. What do you think? And to be able to come and say, yeah, let's bring that together. That's why you need to sign up for six weeks with one of these groups. But when you come up to this table, I want to tell you, you've got to come and you've got to know that nobody loves you like he does. And what you're about to do is you're going to be a covenant maker with the lover of your soul and to say, Christ, take my life. And he says, so be it. You take mine. As you crush this bread in your teeth, you'll never be crushed because Christ took the hit that you and I deserved on that cross. As you drink in the fruit of this vine and the miracle of biology becomes a part of yourselves, so likewise we ask the Holy Spirit through, to take the risen Christ and take over the new areas of our life. Come and celebrate.